0: or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, church online. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are blessed to be in the building this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, God gets all the glory. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we get to just walk in here and worship, right? Amen. So this morning, I'm not sure if we had any more announcements. I didn't collect any announcements, but um, we have a couple of things coming up this summer. We have VBS coming up and I think we announced it last Sunday. If we have the slide, if we can pick it up, um, It is a little different this year, so parents, um, we usually do a three-day, four-day, but this time we're going to do just a one-day VBS event. It's going to be an all-day thing, so hands and feet, this is for you. We need you guys to come and serve. Please get with someone, um, with Miss Angie or Yanis um, in the Children's Church. It's going to be on Saturday. It's a one-day thing on a Saturday, June 25th, so if you haven't marked it on your calendars, please do so. Um, it's going to be from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Breakfast and lunch and snacks will be served to all the little ones, all the kiddos who serve. And um, it is up to age 11. So 4 to 11, and it's free. It's completely free. The only thing that you need to do is make sure that you register your children. Make sure that you register them um, in person or online. We should be sharing the link today for the online registration. So please... Um, get them in whether you know you're not going to be here or not please get them in because this is uh, reserved for a certain capacity i think it's 150 if i'm not mistaken 150 students so please get your students reserved um we won't turn anyone away at the door if we're over capacity but please make sure that you do reserve your spots beforehand um and uh if you are here for the first time today, we welcome you, and we will be dismissing our children at this time. So if this is your first time, children, um, our nursery is open right here in the hallway foyer. It's up to the age of three. We have Jam Club right next door for our preschoolers up to the age of six, and then we have all of our super kids from seven to 11 uh, heading out with Miss Angie, and youth You guys will be collecting today a little something different. Youth, you guys will be here um, right next to Jam Club. So youth, if you are in the building, um, you can start bringing your friends, bring your brothers, bring your sisters. We see you guys. You guys are dismissed, and you can collect right here, right next to the uh, Jam Club. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts, and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith way.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. What a strange week it's been, right? Um, I want to be real kind of sensitive. I want to address something just really briefly. I think it needs to it just needs to be addressed briefly. Of course, everyone was impacted in some form or fashion by what happened up in Uvalde. And um, even though, sad to say, it's nothing new, right? We hear these things all over America all the time. But this time, this one, like... It's so close to home, you know, and and then our relationship, you know, well, there's not that much different than Hebronville, you know. So so we all can relate to this horrific, horrific, horrific thing. Sounds like out of a movie. Here's the thing. (laughs) You know, the bottom line is none of this should surprise any of us because this is pretty clear in the word, right? In the last days, and we've been in the last days for, you know, 2,000 years. So the further you move into the last days, the further you're going to see more and more and more. So I guess what I'm trying to address is not, you know, obviously our prayers, as much as that helps, you know, just keep prayer over that. But the thing is to become conscious of a, of, of the spiritual mechanics of this thing. I think that's the key. And I really you know, I'm, I'm kind of preaching to the choir because you're in the building, but I want to talk especially to online church. If you're in the area, if you're not in the area, well, I'm glad you're online. But if you're in the area, you know, I think your Your relationship i want I, I hate to use the word attendance because it sounds like school right so I think church should even use the word attendance it should be more relational right because this is about relationships really you know um the things that even in the last few years that some of us have gone together as families, not just so this is not a this is not a factory you know this is not a business this is something else well, in that context, we should pull closer and closer because there is strength in numbers and i'm not talking. In the, in the natural term, in the spiritual realm. You know, Psalm 91 makes it super clear. You know, Psalm 91, again, I'm not going to preach this, but there's a spiritual rule that, that um, Jesus talked about. It says, when two, were, when two came in agreement, spiritual power is multiplied. Now, you can do a whole... I could can, I can take you step by step and show you the word. But, um, you know, Psalm 91 says it. Jesus confirms it with, with different statements, you know. But it's basically, you know, one we'll put 1,000 to flight. Two, we'll put 10,000 to flight. So your spiritual energy doesn't multiply double. I going to track on this because this is really important. That's why you, you should have a... I know these religiousized terms are so... Ugh, I don't like them, but prayer partner? <laughs> I really don't like that term. But somebody that you're so close, spiritually speaking, that you, that you connect and you speak life and you speak covenant. You know, we... As a rule, you know, every time we, every morning that I take Hayden to school, we pray. You know, we pray for everybody. It's almost like monotonous, right? We pray for the school. We pray, you know, Tuesday we're here, we pray. And we've always, for years and years and years and years and years, we've prayed this blanket of protection. Do you agree with that? I mean, some of you have been with us for, you know, upwards 20 years. And I think now as we're moving into season, more than anything, obviously you don't want to succumb to fear, because that's the biggest one. But you do want to become aware. And more than ever, you know, just kind of tune things up in your life. This is not about being extra religious, but the, but the spirituality... And we're going to talk about it today, you know, as, as we continue on our series. Hopefully, I'm thinking this will be the last one, but if I finish it, if not, then we'll do it next week, right? But, um, you know, just really be connected, you know... And if I take the word, the, out of the spirit, and just use the word spirit, I think it, to me it means bigger. To be connected to spirit. Because when you say the spirit... No, to be connected to spirit means God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit. But that awareness also gives you insight into the spiritual realm of darkness. You're tracking that? So that connection between us, in other words, God is not holding out on anybody. And, 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 you, and you look at these things, and yes, the questions can be asked, how could God permit that? Well, God didn't permit anything. That's human nature. That's a human without God. That's a possessed, demonic, you know, individual that is completely, you know, and a lot of people failed. You know, the system failed on a lot of levels. I'm not going to even go on that soapbox this morning. But the point of it is, you know, there's good and bad. That's basically it, guys. And the bad is really bad. And the church shouldn't be flirting with that. Because you just flirt a little bit, and you don't know how much of that sticks on you. So my point is, tighten up. You know... I had to shut the news down. It really bothered me to the point of tears. You know, my heart was really, really... I really felt heartbroken for these families. Like, and I guess I'm getting emotional now. You know, The inability to do anything to fix it. I think that's like the... And then the fail of systems that after almost 30 years after Columbine, we can't secure a school. Are you kidding me? That's my soapbox moment. Are you kidding me? We can secure a federal court building, but we can't secure a school. Are you kidding me? It's time for, and, and, and the change is not in gun reforms. The change is, is up here and people get their, you know what, out of where and get with the program of this thing. Because this is getting out of control. You know, and if you follow some of the news, there was other ones that were stopped and things that came right after that one. So all I'm saying as a church is more than ever, just make sure you are connected to spirit. That's it. And in that connection, you got somebody. And it might, it's not always your pastor. Sometimes it's it's even better not to be your pastor, because sometimes, you you know, you guys are closer to other people, way more closer than you are to me. And those people are really powerful in prayer, because they're praying for you from a different place. They're praying for you from, you know, from that family connection, that love you, like the way you pray for your kids. You know, and I'll pray that same thing, but I'm just saying, find these people in your life, and, and, and talk to your kids about this, and talk to your kids about awareness, and talk to your kids, you know... So many people live, you know. I always taught my kids since they were little, teaching my grandkids. I'll give you a little advice on how to live. I guess growing up in Mexico, this is what happens to you. But you never, you know, there's three levels of living. I'm telling you right now, because we're living in these times. You need to teach your kids this. And if I could use the analogy of a, of a street light, I mean, a traffic light, you've got red, yellow, and green. You don't want to live in the green. The green is you don't have, you're just like, Ooh, life is this big butterfly, and you know, I'm never aware of my surroundings, just everything's fine. You don't want to live there. But you don't want to live in the red, which is full paranoia. You don't want to be there either, because everything, you know, everything is... But you do want to live in the yellow. I'm telling you, church, you want to live in that yellow area where you're not psychotic red, and you're not living in la-la land. And that yellow is awareness. Awareness of your surroundings. Awareness of what's going on. Awareness... And you teach your kids all this. Because there's a lot... Now, I want to get off this thing, but there's some things that there's a lot of details that we don't know. We actually we don't know a whole lot of anything. But just a week before, there was a 15 year old girl with her dad in a basketball game in Dallas, Texas again, and somehow she walked away with a stranger and was tortured and raped for 10 days. How do you? How does a 15 year old think about awareness? This is not an eight year old. It's not a seven year old. Not even a 10 year old. It's a 15 year old. You would think nowadays with phones and the mind of a 15-year-old, that doesn't happen, but it does, right? I mean, it, she's with her dad, right? I mean, she's in the, I've been in that, that place, the American Center up in Dallas, I've been there. It's very secure, you know. How does that happen? Well, again, we are living in a time where as parents and as spiritual leaders and whatever, we need to not just spiritualize everything and say, God's going to take, yes, God's going to take care of us, but he gives you your part to educate and to become aware, and he gives you the ability, guess what? Also to protect yourself. Is that in the Bible? Yes. <laughs> Peter asked, how many swords do I take? <laughs> if it was written nowadays, Daisy would ask, how many guns do I take, right? But he didn't do that. So I'm just saying, I'm going to stop with that. But really, keep your prayers open. Always pray for your family. Always pray Psalm 91 all the time. I mean, you don't have to read like the whole Psalm, but be aware that Psalm 91 is your agreement of covenant protection. And the evil cannot befall you. Pestilence cannot be. I mean, we took hold of that when COVID started. Remember that? So this is the same. We are living in an age where there's a lot of darkness moving in this country. Keep your prayer on, keep your spirituality on, and try to look at things from that filter. Where are we in the spiritual clock? Amen? So let's let's just go ahead and pray right now with this. Father, this thing that's happened in Texas, and I don't know, Lord, we just lift up with the millions and thousands of probably hundreds and hundreds of prayers for these families that, Lord, I don't know, I don't know what to pray. I just pray your love on that whole community. And that, Father, the next thing I pray is that this church understands what covenant is. And that, Father, we've lived in covenant. We've traveled the world in covenant. We've been in dangerous situations. But because of covenant, no evil can befall our families. No evil can befall our schools. And we take authority, as we always have it for years, that this darkness will not come into our area of influence. Father, I believe the church was placed here as authority. And Father, for Jim Hogg and Webb County and the areas that we have an influence, this evil will not touch any of us in any form or fashion because we understand covenant. And Father, I pray that just these few words make people aware of the times that we're living, that we get serious about our faith, that we get serious, God, about why we're even here this morning. That this is much more than a Sunday morning service. This is a time of information. This is a time of gathering. This is a time of anointing. This is a time where we we enhance that covenant protection in our life. So I just thank you, Father, that this craziness in the state of Texas and across this nation completely stops today. No more of this. And Father, we pray for the people that make the laws and the people that have to look at this thing that they get with the program. Father, I pray that the lawmakers and the decision makers of our nation from Texas all across, Father, figure this thing out, Father. Figure this mental issue out. Figure this gun thing out. Figure this school thing out. That, Father, we speak life and we just thank you, Lord, that we always walk under the covenant protection of Psalm 91. And we speak healing in whatever form or fashion that can come upon the community of body. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. 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 All right, let's get into it this morning. So, we've been on this series about trying to understand and how to navigate, I guess, more than understand our ego and what it means. And, um, you know. You, should, you guys, I always joke about my outlines. You know, I start with three notes and I end up with 20 pages. I'm serious. It's is unreal how much stuff I, I find. And I just keep adding and then I don't know how to delete it. And I try to delete it and I still end up with this, you know, really long thing. But, you know, the word ego, I was researching it a little further. And I, I didn't even realize that right now. I, I should have, you would think I would have started with that, right? But the word ego from the Greek, really interesting, just from the Greek definition means to be or means I am. Isn't that interesting? Because once you have that definition, I am, then you you really can connect it spiritually. Like, whoa, whoa, no, there's only one I am, right? God. But ego, defined from the Greek, is is, is the me. You know, to to be and the I am. In other words, anything else doesn't matter. You are the center of your universe. Okay, so we've been working on that and and how dangerous that is to a church, you know, how dangerous it is to your life, how dangerous to community, and how dangerous it is overall. So we're going to cover some some more this week. And I think, you know, if we can land it today, it'll be fine. I'm not going to rush it because I don't think we should. I think people... How many of you are actually getting something out of this series? Let's say raise your hand. How many are are actually making little improvements? Okay, because the last thing before I start preaching, I'm going to tell you something. Anything you come to church, please, let me tell you from almost 30 years of doing this, don't walk out in the parking lot and say, "Woo! I got this, I'm free. Because I've learned that everything God tells us to fix is really, it's almost like taking vitamins. You know, if you're sick and you take one vitamin, you're not going to get healthy. But if there's a regimen in your life for years of taking vitamins and taking the right kind of supplements, you know, you're going to see the benefit of that over the years, right? You know, I've been taking God vitamin supplements for years and years and years, but I really think that in this point in my life, you know, at 56, I think some of that investment I made back in my 30s is paying off. Well, the same thing is with God's Word. You know, you come and you hear... And it's, and it's like that vitamin. And you keep putting it in, and you leave, and you say, you know what, I, 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 I don't understand everything pastor said, but I know that I do have, for example, an anger issue. Or I have a, a tendency to take everything super personal. Just little things. And then you just pick that one, and that's, what the, that's the one you work on, right? You don't get condemnation. You don't try to get four outlines resolved in one service. That's why I always recommend people, it's really hard to get everything out of a message in one setting. Because what happens, if I say something... You know, and I'm going to believe by the Spirit of God that is directed to you, you'll hear that. I'm going to show you how this works. And, and if it's from the Spirit of God and it's for you, you'll hear that and you'll, you'll clamp onto that and you'll think about that for the next five minutes. And you lost five minutes of teaching. Because you're like, yeah, hey, amen, Pastor, but you're over here like, oh, wow, God just straight, you know, He just read my mail, you know? So I always recommend people go back to the podcast, go back to certain things and see if you missed something. That you can bring in. So I'm just telling you that this thing's has been a, a trick that I've been on, probably since September last year, because I had a lot of my issues. And I, I lead off with a statement since I started the series. This is these message. This is one of the messages I wish somebody would have taught me when I was in my 30s. I really did, because I wasted a lot. I had a, I, I created so much drama in my life because I didn't understand some things. Amen. I know you guys are like pastor. We're so good. I don't even know why you're going there. Well, maybe I'm preached to me, you know. Okay, let's go. So we're going to deal with just some, some points. You know, the ego, pride, remember, that's kind of the same word, you know, the Bible uses the word pride more. They're not really exactly the same thing, but they're so close related. Because pride and ego are not necessarily a bad thing. Ego is just you. What's, what makes ego toxic is when the you controls you beyond your control of it. How <laughs> I many you know what I'm talking about? Because the ego, and we're, talking, we're going to talk about one point that's going to hit home with everybody here. And pride is, you know, it can have two, two versions. There's a good pride and there's a bad pride. Pride is like, you know, I, if I go build something where nobody, you know, and I'm in the construction business, and you feel it. You know, when you finish a job and it's been long and tedious and, you, and you're like, ah, you're done. And nobody there to it's just you and the, whatever you build, right? And you're looking at that kind of pride's not bad. Because, you know, you feel good about what you did. So, so it's not a bad thing. What happens is when the pride is like, hey, Look how good I am. I get on my attention. I'm all it. I'm, you know, the whole world. That's where that thing gets really weird. Because God is really, really, really serious about pride. He actually rejects prideful people. And sometimes if you wonder, how come my prayers are going to answered, You might check the pride level. Just saying, because that is... God already said, I don't, you know, I don't listen to prideful prayers. But I'm a believer. I'm a God. Yeah, I love you. You know, but you're going to have to get this pride out. Because the Bible is pretty clear that God rejects pride. He rejects pride, but He exalts the humble. So humility is the one the thing we're pursuing. So how do you pursue humility? I could have taught a sermon on humility, but I'm just going to do the other way. Let's kill ego and pride, and we'll end up with an amazing, humble heart that God can use. Amen? All right, so let's go into this. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of areas I want to go. So let's go, first of all, to Luke chapter 9. L- l- I'll skip that Romans right now, because that's I might get to that. Luke chapter 9, in verse 46. This is a really cool one, because this is, just plays right into it. And I'm just going to kind of like bullet point some things for you this morning. So we're going to talk, first of all, about spiritual ego. (laughs) You like that one? How could that be, Pastor? Which spirit? No, no, no. Trust me. There is a whole version of spirituality that is ego-infused, which, by the way, is not spirituality. It's carnality all the way through. But you think it's spirituality, all right? So here we got the 12. I mean, this is the core. These guys are the ones that created this, all right? These are big shots. And they're having this conversation. So, the disciples began to argue, became preoccupied, I don't preach, over who would be the greatest one among them. So what's kicking in, church? Talk to me. Full ego, right? Here they are serving Jesus, and now this conversation, well, I'm doing better than you are. Well, Laura, I'm better than you are, Laura. I've done more things for God than you So I deserve to sit at His right hand. You see how that, you say, well, how could that be? I mean, the Son of God is walking in front of them, and they're having an ego trip. You would think, right? But th- this thing grows. And the thing about ego is you don't really, it's very seductive spirit. You don't really recognize where it's going until it's usually a mess. Uh-huh. Don't you sometimes like wish you had recognized something before you ended up destroying everything? <laughs> so they're having this conversation and fully aware of their innermost thoughts, Jesus called a little child to his side. and I think this is so cool because Jesus has this way of preaching that's amazing. He didn't pull out the Torah and said, oh, sit down, boys, open your, you know, your papyrus." <laughs> they didn't have Bibles. But he brings a child, and, and he's about to address them with a little kid. And this is so cool because he says, knowing their innermost thoughts, Jesus called the little child to side and said to him, if you tenderly care for this little child on any behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. And if you care for me, you are honoring my father who sent you. The one who is least important in your eyes is actually the most important one of all. And so they're having this pride ego trip and Jesus comes out of like left field with this weird analogy. And you say, well, what does that have to do with, with their trip? Well, he's, let, let's talk about that. Why is he picking a child? This is very important because these, these guys are on this ego. Now, this is a, this is a spirituality because they're, they're Jesus, you know, they're talking about who's going to sit in heaven. And Jesus pulls a little kid as an illustration. Well, question. If that kid wasn't yours, and you have anything to do with that kid, and you're not a spiritual person, you're just being yourself, let's just be honest, even a spiritual people, you're not really going to address that child or even direct your conversation to him or anything, because, I mean, at the bottom end line, even if you're lost, you might not even talk to the child, because at the end of the day, you're pretty sure that kid can't give you anything. Hello, come on, y'all! You gotta track all this. This is what. This is why. This is why this is inserted in there. It's not like he changed. Oh, uh, you guys are talking. Let me talk about something else. He's saying, if you don't care, if you don't focus on outwardness of things that cannot help you in any bit, as a child, you're missing the whole point. That's what Jesus is saying. Because this whole trip is about, Jesus, who are you going to appoint? I mean, this conversation went on in different, in the Gospels in different ways. One of them, even mom gets involved. You know, because you go tell mom, right? Jesus is like, hey, can, you know, can he sit next to you in heaven? yeah. it's like this whole big mess of leader, you know, they're trying to control trip in heaven. Are you kidding me? But he brings out, if you tenderly care for the little child on my behalf, you're tenderly caring for me. In other words, he's saying, spirituality doesn't mean anything. Until there's an action of compassion, you ready for this? That's going to take from your whatever, your time, your money, your energy, your anything. Because if there's a little kid that's in need and I've got to go to work, and I see a little kid in need and I just bypass it, I, you know, nothing happened I in my life. But if I stop and I say, and I'm already late to work, you know, there's there different dynamics kicking in, Right? Because now I'm going to say, if i got to help this kid, but then I'm going to be late, my boss is going to get mad. So now, what, what needs to die for you to help that kid? Because everything about, the, every excuse that you're making about not helping that child is about you. That's it. Every every excuse about you not reaching out is, I'm going to be late, I can't, you know, I don't care, that's not my kid. You guys saw that thing in New York on the subway, that girl, lady basically calling out for help and everybody just watching? Doesn't that bother you? A whole car full of people, one lady, the guy's pulling her down, it's it's all over the internet, pulling down on her hair, and you can see her mouth says, help me, and everybody's like, on their phone, one's filming them, a whole car of people, five of those guys could have taken that idiot out in seconds, but no, we don't want to get involved because, hey, you know, that's not my my little world, no le muevas, right? That is what Jesus was talking about, ego always feeds About you, but the danger is it can also feed about spirituality because this is a spiritual moment. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not, not, but let me just back it up because one of the things you want to pull out of this is the one who is least important in your eyes. So let's go back to who is, you know, if you were to really just break that line out, what's the least important person in your life? Who's who's the one person in your life that you would never turn? A homeless person? A child? You know, what is the one person you could care less? Well, he's saying in that area because. The reason you don't care is because of ego. Because ego says first it's me, then it's you. And Jesus says no. Spirituality says first it's you, then it's me. Amen. you all with me? Okay. Give me the next one. So, let's go to this one. You're gonna have to go to this one because I'm gonna have to read it out of. Let's see. Let me try King James first. Just open it up your Bibles. This is this is a. It's not a hard read. It's just a, a, one of those reads that you have got to take time with it because. Yeah, let's, see. let's see how many translations I can <laughs> clear it up for you because this is really good. So we're talking about, you know, identify spiritual or spirituality and ego. Now, like I said, every, every bullet point I'm going to give you is just a snippet. Every one of these we could like open it up into many, many scriptures, but that's not what I'm trying to do this morning. So Romans 11, and I'm going to go down to verse 16 again. Paul is addressing the church and church issues as always to the church in Rome. And in verse sixteen, let's just pick it up with King James, see if it flows, and then if not, we'll go to modern translation. Romans sixteen—I'm sorry, Romans eleven, verse sixteen. I was in Romans. I almost preached Romans sixteen to you guys. I'm like, oh, oh, work. Not like I've never done that. Romans eleven, sixteen to twenty-four. Okay, here we go. pick up, so you, so you get a little, well, he, you know, he's wrapping up his letter, but he's talking about, you know, working together, church, you know, all this whole thing, and he comes in and says, for if the first fruits be holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root be holy, so are the branches. So, let me let me open that up. So, he's really talking about the holiness of God flowing through the body of Christ. You want to call it the presence of God, you want to call it the spirit of God, you can't separate presence, spirit, and holiness. Okay, they're all together. So, he's saying, the tree... The branches and the fruit. All right? God. And you're, and you're basically the fruit. All right? But you're part of this one tree. Okay? Just, just open that one up so, so, so it begins to clarify that. So he says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches... But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now, you said, what is he talking about, Pastor? I'm going to break it down. Modern, modern translation so. But he's really talking about what happens when a Gentile comes to God. And what happens when a believer becomes arrogant. It's all in here. So what he's saying, he says, you're out there, wild olive branch. When he talks about engrafted, that's actually something that people do with plants, right? You know what I'm talking about? You take... You know, like I'm saying, like a branch of one tree. You know, you got a certain apple tree and you got another apple tree and you want to make a hybrid of it. So you cut a branch off of this one and you cut. I remember in Mexico, I saw them do it and they cut a little slit and they put a little bit of wax and they, you know, they take care of that thing and then they patch it all around there. And you wait a couple of weeks and that branch, you know what? It thinks that's its tree. You know, even though it came from that tree, now you got to believe it's from this tree. That is a wonderful illustration of what God does in our. We're living off of sin tree, dead tree, ego tree, messed up tree, fool tree, lying tree. Should I keep going? No, that's enough. All right. And then he says, I'm going to cut you off because you're wild. And I'm going to pick you up. Right now, you have no life. You're dead. Once you cut that branch, it's dead. Even though it looks green and pretty, it's dead. Once you whacked it, it's dead. There the only life it can... I mean, it's green and it's got juices and all it got all the right things, but it is completely dead. How do you prove it? Just leave it alone. Don't do... Just drop it on the ground, come back two days later, it's a dead branch. But you take that little branch, it's dead. This is us, before Jesus. And he comes, and, and grabs it into him. And now he expects that the life comes from there. So Paul is saying, why are you guys boasting? Because boasting is about, tell, tell me, church, ego. He says, Why do you think spiritually you're all it? I mean, you're going to have to read a lot of chapter and a lot of, you know, form of this because, like I said, it's not an easy read. Some people just read that and go by. No, he's really, he says, this is really, I mean, this is really good stuff in here. I'll read some more. So he's saying, What makes you think that there's anything in you? And he's talking to believers, all right? He's not talking to Gentiles, but he's talking to Gentiles that became believers and are still dealing with a lot of world issues and dealing with a lot of stuff because, you know, they were pagans. He says, listen, but he was also dealing with the arrogance that had moved into the church that we see very clearly in Corinthians. I'm of Paul, I'm of Paul, as we talked about that last week. He says, listen, guys, when you finally realize that without him you are dead, there is really no room for boasting. In other words, there's really no room for ego. So let, let's keep reading. I'm going to try to get up another translation just to clear some of it up. But So in 18, he says, Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. In other words, he's saying, why would you think you're all it about your branch, dude? <laughs> you're just a branch. You without the tree are zero. But somehow, this is what happens in church. Hopefully it hasn't happened to you. But it, it's a tendency, and I think it's demonic, I'll be honest with you. When you don't know God, you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to talk about me. And I, and it, to me it's a little different than some of you, because I knew God, left God, came back to God. Okay, Some people never had the first one. They just never had God, came to God, wonderfully. But in my experience, you know, as you come back to God, you know, reckless life, whatever, the first moment you're like, oh, thank you, God, you know, got my life back. But as you grow in Christianity, if you're not careful, there's a spirit gets on you, which is fueled by ego. And one of the worst places that you can see, uh, to me it breaks my heart, and it's all over America, and it's all over a lot of churches, and if we're not careful, it's here, is to see ego-driven Christians. You know, and I've seen it all my life in Christianity, you know, you know if, well, I'm not, there's just so many examples. But, you know, don't, don't idolize anybody. Because it's also ego to make your little cre- favorite Christian heroes. You know, there's people that say, well, I just like Stephen Furtick. Okay. Well, next crisis hits your house, you call Stephen, all right? Because, you see, you, you, you got the rock stars, and I love Stephen Furtick. He's, a, he's an amazing man. He's an anointed man of God. I really believe that. But he's not my pastor. <laughs> he's not my church. You know what I told you at the, at the front end of this? That we need family. But ego will say, because they've, they've told me that. Because here's the problem with a pastor. You know, back in the day before internet... I preach something, and most of you would go, like, okay, think about it. Nowadays, I'm not the only voice you hear, which is fine, except if you're hearing the wrong voices. Because I always tell, them, go feed, you know, come on, pump word in you all day, if you get the wrong voices, right? So you begin, ego also tends to idolize. And what, what's the danger of this? Because I'm talking about spiritual ego. You know, let's say you have a very big, popular church, you know, and nothing wrong with big churches. But if you're not careful, pretty soon. Because I've been around those people. I've been around pastors that are so ego-tripped. I, I, one of my favorite ones. My, one of my favorite, shut you down, you're stupid, remarks I did to preachers. Okay, I know that's not, you know, maybe a thing. But I was, you know, our church number-wise is not a big church, and that's fine. This is what it called me to do. If God called me to pastor you all for the rest of my life, and that's it. That's fine. My point is, I was at a conference and here, and, and, and you hang around pastors, watch that spiritual arrogance kick in, because they're, they're causing this thing of Romans. They're boasting on their accomplishments when the whole time they, hey, stupid, you're a branch. Sorry for the stupid, but yeah. You haven't done anything. It's like for me to boast about something Kelvin Box has done. No, the only thing that Kelvin Box has done is destroy his life and everybody around his life. That's what Kelvin can do. Kelvin with God can do this. But Kelvin without God can't do any of this. Are you with me? Now, you say, well, that's preacher stuff. No, no, that's everybody's life. Every time you feel you're doing something, remember, you're just a branch. You're not the tree. That is, if you can keep that in, your spiritual journey will stay on track if you can keep that one little item in life. Because spiritual arrogance to me is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Because arrogance in the world, I get it. You know, oh, I got a new car. I got a new this. But when you move into the things of Christ, the foundations of Christ were love and service and sacrifice and laying your life down for somebody else. That's what Jesus taught. And then you would get on. So, so we'd you kind of hear, and I know the conversation. I'm just standing there, you know. H would have been with someone to me with some of those. You didn't go to ICM, but you went to, you used to go to the minister's conference. The same thing, right, you know. You get them all around, and they're all dressed really spiffy and nice with you know two thousand dollars suits, whatever. I'm not going to go there. And they begin to talk, and they're talking, and hey, Pastor Box and hey, Pastor whatever. And, so how you doing? Doing good. And, How's your church? And, well, got yeah, yeah, about four hundred members, really. Yeah, Well, we, we hit six hundred last week. Oh, that's awesome. And here comes another guy. Yeah, well, you know, six months ago we, we finally reached our goal of fifteen hundred in attendance. Oh, that's And it's coming. I, I'm going to have to say something. This is going around, right? And I'm already tripping on their ego trip. So I'm like, in my old... It probably was flesh, and I'm sure God forgave me, I think. So, Pastor Fox, how you doing? I said, we're doing good, we're doing good. And how's the church doing? I said, well, currently I think we got about 5% of the population. That shut them all down. Joel Osteen, eat your heart out. Because... You know, there was a time, some of you might remember, some of you remember. There was a time, you know, Sunday mornings, this thing was... Back then, and I did the numbers, 5,000 people in Hebronville, and you got approximately, you know, 200 people that call this their church, or 250, counting the kids. So that's 5% of the population. If that was Houston, talk to me, church. What's 5% of however many million are there? So in that context, I got the biggest church. And my ego is fine now, right? (laughs) They didn't know how to answer that. They just looked at me like, "Oh, that's a Mexican guy. Just let I, w- I was the director of ICFM Mexico back then, so anyway. But you know that kind of my point of that illustration is that that kind of stuff does not belong in the church, because the foundations of God are very simple: sacrifice and serve. Well, let I me mean, add love, right? Because love is what fuels it. Jesus didn't big, you know, go build big nice churches, fancy churches, and have the best audio system. He didn't tell us to do that. He tell us. Go preach the gospel. That was it, right? Okay, let's keep moving. So, let me finish this guy. That's what happens when I get bogged down on one scripture. Let's keep going. So let's now into verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, I'm sorry, I read that one. Verse 18. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. Pay attention. When? You begin to spiritually think you're superior to anybody else spiritually. I know more Bible, I go to church more, I pay my tithes, you don't, you thief, whatever. You are no longer operating from the root. So the only other information, because, okay, just go with a picture, right? You got the tree, you're a dead branch, they grafted you to God, and now you're producing fruit, and you're just having a good life on your God tree, and all of a sudden, you get arrogant. And you get spiritual. And you start saying, you know, and you've been in church long enough and you think you know a lot and, you know, you begin to prophesy and all that cool stuff trying to make people think you're all it. God said, you might still be hanging on my tree, but your nourishment is not coming from me. It's not coming from me. It's right there. So your nourishment has to be coming from somewhere else. In other words, where is this arrogance feeding? Because that branch was dead till it got engrafted. And the only life that you have, spiritually, is the life that God gave you. So there, has, there should be no room for any kind of arrogance. You know, and again, I, this is, I don't want to just sit here and beat, and beat this thing down, but, you know, the, the humility is so, so, so important. It's not just, you know, it's a spiritual, how can I put it, it's, a, it's like spiritual vitamin. I mean, the, the humility is what Jesus moved in. The humility is what God moves in. The compassion, all these things move. And when a Christian becomes arrogant because of their spirituality, that's like one of the saddest things there is. And, and this is what Paul was addressing. Again, I'm reading King James, so you can go back in the modern translation. Maybe the... I started reading the message translation, but it's super long. So now, he resolves that. Let, let me finish 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them partakest the root and the fatness of... I already read that, but the fatness of the olive tree. So he goes on to say, Thou will say then, verse 19... Now, well, let me back to verse 18. Boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root. In other words, if you're over here thinking you're all it, you're not really connected to, to the nourishment. Thou will say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, but not high-minded. Not high-minded. In other words, you just thank God he put a system for you for you not to go to hell. You thank God he put a system in there to make your life a little better. He got, thank God he put a system for you to raise your kids right. Thank God he put a system in there to make your marriage survive these crazy times. He put a system to prosper you financially. Are you still with me this morning? He's, I mean, he put it all in there. And at what point do you think you're that smart? That's basically what he's saying. Because when you, a lot of, you know, most people don't come arrogant to church. They come broken, they come humble, they come done. That was my story. That's most of y'all's story. But if you're not careful, that little thing begins to creep in. All right. got each one of these points could be a whole message. So now he goes. For if God spare not the natural branchless, take heed lest He also. Is that in your Bible? Spare not. Thee. Ouch. Those are words, are in the Bible. By Paul. If you believe they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, you better take it a little seriously. In other words, God is saying, when you move your spirituality and you think you're spiritual because of you, go for it. And you know what, I'll be, I'll be very careful what I'm going to say, but you know what happens when you open that up? You open it up to demonic possession. And I've seen it, in my wife's side. And I wasn't even a Christian. There was a lady in Mexico, in Tuxpan, Michoacan. I was a heathen, and she was barely trying to come to Jesus, and they would drag me to church. And I'm like, eh, whatever. Because they were insane. I'm just saying honest with you. I mean, I was insane. saying they were insane-er. All right? My insanity came from drugs. I, just, I don't know where it came from. I just don't. But anyway, but one of the leaders that was the prophetess of the church, she got demon-possessed. ¿Te acuerdas the Isis? Tuxpan? Right? Right. Did she? And, and she was walking around barefooted in town walking like, uh, barefoot, prophesying with her eyes rolled up. Are you kidding me? And she's like, the prophet of the church? How do you go from prophet to the church completely demon-possessed? <clears throat> and I'm over here, and Monica's trying to get me to go to church, and I'm like, another one reason why I'm never going to your church. <laughs> Here's the list, honey. Keep trying. So that, that arrogance... And here's something, we're a Holy Ghost church, but I kind of did the blend between Baptists and Pentecostals. You know, we kinda, that's kind of where we are. We are open, but we're not open for weird. Because one of the things that I've seen so, and I've been around Pentecostals with a capital P, all right? I'm talking run around the building, burn the place down, Pentecostals. They're fun, but it's all flesh. Well, most of them. Because at some point God says, "Like I'm going to another church. This is too much." <laughs> He's out of there, you know. The Holy Spirit like, "No, but I, it's not me." I've seen stuff, guys, that would make you cringe that happens in these churches. I'm not going. I'm not even going to go there. But my point of it is, most of that stuff comes from spiritual ego. Because I got to show you how spiritual I am, laudo. So the Lord gave me a word for you. You know what I'm doing? I'm reducing him because. Now, he will respect me as his pastor, but to me to come to somebody and say, I got a word from you, and you don't have a word from God, you're, you're tracking real dangerous ground. Because number one, that information is coming from spiritual ego. Something in you got like, and the person that's receiving the prophecy, in, the, in your eyes, he's looking at you, or she's looking at you like higher spiritually. Because let me tell you about prophecy, now that we're on this, and we're Holy Ghost Church. Let me, tell, let me ask you a question about that. Don't raise your hand. Have you ever gotten a word from somebody that says, God told me? It's really simple to figure out where it came from. Very simple. Why didn't God tell me? If I'm dealing with something in my spirit, and I need information, and Laudo comes up to me and says, Pastor, i got a word from you. For me. I know Laudo, so I'll receive it from him. Even though I'm, a, I'm his pastor, I'll receive a word from him, Kathy, because I know them. But I'm saying, if I'm dealing with something, let's say I'm dealing like well, it even happened this year. I'm not going to give you the, the details. But I was really struggling with going to Cuba. Because I got so much going on here, you know, and I was like... And, and I had first I had an excuse that I didn't have money for the ticket. So God took care of that. He spoke to somebody in the church, said, I'll, I'll buy your ticket. I'm like, so I can't use that one. And I'm still not really feeling it. And then somebody... That knows our church, but it's not really part of our church. I just happened to and it was funny because God was poking me. He said, post a trip on Facebook. No. I mean, I don't it's like you guys know me. I don't I'm not oh look at me, we're going to and I did, finally did something, you know, if you want to help out, we're going to Cuba. <laughs> Basically, that was what I did. God had told me like three weeks to do that. And I was like, oh. so I finally did it. H knows kind of a story. Okay, you know, thank you. Faith way update, we're going to Cuba. Well, a partner... Well, not really partner. Somebody that respects us in ministry, friends of ministry, I'm not going to give it any... Main, they call me and says, what are you doing in Cuba? I'm like, hey, brother, what you doing? I heard from you... What's going on in Cuba? I saw your post. So I gave them the... You know. But I tell you guys all the time. The farm, da, 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 the rundown, we're taking so much money. Okay, that's nice. Well, I just want to let you know we're sending you $10,000 offering for Cuba. Number two reason. i like, okay, God, I get it. I'll go to Cuba... So that money, a lot of that money is already, you know, putting up, helping put the air conditioning, and a lot, you know, of course, with faith exchange. I will get heals. but that's the kind of stuff that I'm referring to. You know, when when you get spiritually, if I can say spiritually dense, it can go both ways. You get the person that wants to control you spiritually, and then you get the ego working, and God is trying to communicate, and the ego is, like I said, ego is alive and well in church. Amen. And it's up to us individually, not corporately, because I can't make you guys be nice corporately, but every one of you has to resolve some of these things because God is the brand, I mean God is the root, always the root, always the root, always the root. And to me that little statement kind of just uh, that statement, you know, that he that he that he's spare not thee. It doesn't mean he's sending you to hell. It, it's in other words, he's letting you go as far as you want to. And he won't help you out of that. I mean, he'll help you after you make a mess, because that's God, right? But he'll let you track this thing. How far do you want to go with it? In other words, that's what he's saying. I will not spare thee, because you've chosen to boast spiritually on what I've done for you. And since you think you're God, well, go for it, God. <laughs> Amen? So, then it goes on to say, yeah, let's see. It's because all the, the, next, the next, up to 24 are pretty harsh. Is Behold, therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which felt severity, but toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shall not be cut off. And that goodness is simply realizing where your life comes from. Every day. Every day. Because the ego will say, ooh, look how good you're doing. You're all it. You deserve more. You deserve this. And God said, no, no, no. You don't, you know, whatever you think you deserve is because of me. You no, know, that's a whole theme here. And then in verse 20, he says, Also, if they abide, not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, verse 24, and wert grafted contrary to the nature into the good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? And right there, he's making, really making a reference to the nation of Israel, which I'm not going to break all that down. But he's basically saying, realize where every spiritual thing is coming from you. Don't ever think, you know, and God may use you in prophecy, and God may use you in a lot of things. But be humble about it. God can use you in healing. You know, you get around people and say, well, I have the gift of healing. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Because the only one that can heal is God. And that He's giving you, letting you use His ability to heal people, that's not your gift, sunshine. Amen? That's not your gift. And if you really want to get a Holy Ghost teaching, the gift's coming up. As he chooses, is what it says. You know, if he needs one of you to move in the the gift of healing, he'll put the gift of healing on you. For that moment, for that instant. But you're not a healer. If you need to give a word for somebody that's going through a dangerous situation or needs comfort, he'll give you a word. That doesn't make you a prophet. Amen, church. Watch out for this word. Because this is like I said, we could preach this one all day. Give me the next one, Arjun. Let's, let's, Let's just move on. Okay. This is a big one. To be or to do? And I'm just using ego explosions in the ministry of Jesus to teach this. Here's a question you have to ask yourself about almost everything that you track in your life. Are you doing it to be or are you doing it for purpose? Are you doing it to be recognized? Are you doing it to be applauded? Do you believe somebody owes you something? Whatever. To be? What we do as Christians, are we doing it to be recognized or are we doing it because of purpose? Mark 10. Jesus teaches about serving others. Verse 35. Then Jesus and John, the son of Sebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request? He asked. They replied. Here we go again, right? When you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on the right and the other on your left. You've got to love these guys, right? But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Now stop. That's a pretty profound question. But ego has taken complete control of these guys. They're not listening to his answer. Because if they would listen to the answer, I would have it through Amen? Like if somebody says, hey, I'm going to hire you. you. know, Can I work for your company? Yeah, but we're not going to pay you for six months. Oh, well, let me think about it. After six months, well, that's what he's saying. You want this? You really want this? Because I'm, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to bleed out. I'm going to be beaten down. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. Do you want this? And they, they're not thinking that. So they just want that ego trip. They just want that seat next to Jesus. I don't care what i got to pay. Sounds like the last time you bought that really nice car. Right? Ay, pastor, you always have to go there. Because all these things have to apply. Right? Is that ego? Once, once you, your ego has created a picture for you, it's really hard for you to convince you that that's not a real picture. Ego creates images. Ego creates ideas. Ego creates a narrative about your life being a, this amazing, significant, you're the only one, and if, the, if you weren't on earth, earth would really not even spin on its axis. So Jesus said, you I want this? Oh, yes, verse 39. They replied, we are able. No, you're not. You can't save me, James. You can't save me, John. Only Jesus can save me. They're not able to do that, even though ego has convinced them they are. I mean, yeah, they can die on the cross, they can bleed out, but they can't save anybody. You agree with that? So it says, oh yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the, when the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Now, you see what ego does? That's church, man. <laughs> That's not even the world. That, this is church. Faithway Sunday morning, leadership. This is Faithway's leadership meeting, all right? (laughs) I'm having a good time, I don't know about you. Now, the ten disciples are mad now. Mira esto. Right? This is Jesus. Jesus is about to change the world with these guys. They're fighting about who's going to sit. And now the other ten are mad? Dude, you only have 12 people in your church. <laughs> I mean, I've, sometimes I feel bad about my church. Then I look at Jesus' ministry, and I'm like, no, we're doing great. So then Jesus finally sits down. the down. Boys, 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 boys. Verse 42. You know that the rulers of this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, But among you, it will be different. Say, I am different. Stop your power trips at work. Stop everything, everything that you think. I mean, stop every power trip God promotes. My last secular job, which was probably close to 30 years ago, I, I went in there pretty much as data manager. I did have a lot of construction experience, very little environmental experience, enough to test, air testing and all that. I went in there, basically, risk management. We had, to, we had to build this huge database. It's a foundry, 4,000 employees, blah, blah, blah. Two, three shifts, 24 hours a day, That factory worked. I went in with that, and again, I'm, this is, i try to be really careful about ego, yeah. not illustri- using this as an illustration. So I, I go in there with no agenda. Fast forward three years, I sit down as environmental manager. I mean, they appointed me, I'm not an engineer, I'm not an environmental engineer, but I get stuff done. I got doctor under me. I got two engineers under me, and I got thirty-something people under me. That promotion came only from God. I, I'm telling you, I had, did nothing. To, my boss got fired for stealing money, and the guy that should have been there—I guess the resource manager didn't really like him. And when all the shuffling went down, I sat there for one whole month, and then God said, "Go full time." I'm like, "Really? I just got set for life." You know, so that's how I felt because this is a big, this is an auto industry company, you know, big, you know, it was we, Ford Motor. I mean, it was. So once you get in there, you can, you know, even if the company shuts down, they take you to Michigan, right? And I'm like, wow, this is really good, they're gonna be this back salary. Well, one month. Went to Ministers' Conferences says, God told me, when you get back, you quit. My point of that is stop trying to promote yourself. Do your job, do the best of it, believe God for favor, and He will exalt you. You remember that last week? Humble yourself always humble yourself. But, but, you know, here's the thing about this one. All this, to me, what's interesting about this story, all this is done in a spiritual setting. That's why I kind of joke, it's church, because there's nobody, there's nobody outside of church here. It's Jesus and the boys. So he, he finishes it, and watch what he says, but among you will be different, because whoever wants to be a leader among you, there is nothing wrong with trying to be a leader. But are you there to be, or are you there to do? That's the key. I just want pastor to recognize me and I want to do this. You know what? It ain't happening in this church. I, will, I love you and I love all our teams and you guys don't know how much I appreciate you guys. This couple right here, guys, you guys don't know how much I really appreciate because they really run this whole machine. I show up on Sunday, hey, it's working. You know, this is, this. you know, I am, in the way I see everybody in the church, I come to you complete humility. You don't have to be here. So I appreciate the fact that you're here this morning. It's like, oh, they care. But if you're not careful, then that, that, that thing shifts. And you, you think you become somebody. And some of you have been affected by some of these kind of leaders. Hopefully I'm not that guy. Because I try very hard not to be that guy. But they're arrogant. They're controlling. They run their church like a dictatorship. Anybody? And you're going to tell me that God is smiling on that? when he's been over and over and over that you will not serve unless you will never leave anything unless you're willing to wash somebody's feet. And that is so counter with the ego because the ego is always about me, me, me. So when the church, when God says, I want you to wash somebody's feet, you know, in other words, lay your life down. (sighs) Oh, I got stuff to do. (laughs) Yeah, we all have stuff to do. But here's the thing. Who is, you know, we're talking talking ego in the spiritual concept. That's what this whole message is. So you see it here, and he says, but among you will be different. In other words, the world works that way. And some of you work in that system, that's fine. But even in that system, it works. Because your work will, people will see your work. As a manager, nobody had to ask me for a raise. I'll be honest with you. When I had all these people under me, and even though it was a month, I was already kind of their boss like three months before when all the drama fell, and I was kind of sitting in. But I knew who would get the raise. They didn't have to come and ask for it. Because as a manager, guess what you do? You watch. Guess who's watching? Everything you do. Not Pastor Box. Jesus. Every act of love. Every sacrifice you've ever done for him. Every time you didn't feel like it and you still did it. Oh, he's a, he, there's a great accounting system in heaven, church. Trust me. He does not forget one act. But he also watches the ones that were ego-fueled. He also watches all those. And he already said, you know, he, doesn't, he did not stop loving you. He's just saying, I'm not involved in there. So when your ego tripped and things break down, you can't blame God. All right? So Jesus called him, says, well, let me, let me, so among you will be different. Verse 44, and whosoever wants to be first among you, listen to this, guys. You must be the slave. Oh, no, pastor, we're not doing that. That is a very hard word. Well, let's soften it up. Servant. The servant is like, hey, give give me a glass of water. I'm not doing that. Well, then you're not a servant. Now, the, the guy that's asking you might be arrogant, right? He might be doing it for the wrong reason. But I'm saying, a servant's heart is, what do, what do they do? You serve. You serve not your needs. You serve somebody else's needs. There's no really, there's really no, you know, you, you, you don't say, why well, serve? Who do you serve? Myself. That doesn't count. <laughs> That's called life, right? I'm full service of who? Of me. Full-time ministry. Yeah, some of you are full-time ministry, trust me. Anyway, for the Son of Man. How many want to be like Jesus? Three people. Awesome. For the Son of Man. this because the people in church, they never pay attention to me. I don't know. My needs, the pastor never prays for me. for the son of man came not I'm not going to that church because last time I went for the son of man did not come to bring drama for the son of man did not come to be a little whiny brat in a church the son of man you want to be like Jesus oh I lost you all now right you all want to be like Jesus I thought that was the goal for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. That was it. And to give his life. Well, I'm not going to die. Come on, guys. Nobody's dying for anybody. But when you come and clean the church, you gave your life for somebody. When you come and cut the grass, you gave your life for somebody. Guess what? Pastor showed up. I gave my life to somebody. The band practiced, and they, and they presented a worship set that honored God first, more, but blessed you. You see You see it? It's all service. They did it because they're here to serve. They're not here so you can look at them. Oh, look. Oh, I wish I was on the stage. It's service. Everything fuels from it. And the promotion will always be there. So if you want promotion in the church, you want promotion in your natural life, fine, serve. Because service is the one ego killer. The ego cannot stand serve. I'll prove it to you. Husband comes in from work. Ladies, you ready? He's tired. You came from work, you're tired. But you're both Christians, you love Jesus, and he's the head of the house. Ah, I'm losing y'all. So he puts his feet up. Tired. Honey, can you get me a glass of water? Get it yourself. Your leg's broke. Oh, you missed that serve thing, right? Because it's all about service. You serve, that's the... you You know, I was talking to somebody about marriage... Best marriage tip you're going to get. You want your marriage to survive? Look at it as a checking account. No, I know. Not your husband. The marriage. Some of you get that one like at midnight. Like, ah, that was funny. This, no, this is, this is marriage counseling. I always use this one. No deposit, no return. If two people in a relationship always pull and pull out of that relationship and just pull and oh, it's about me, about me, that marriage is... Dead in the water. But if people are serving each other, continually serving each other, continually serving each other, when you're like, okay, and that, my house is hilarious because I, I'll sit down, I you know finally get, have one of those things like easy, because <whistles> the leg, and as soon as I'm in my comfort, I hear from the bedroom, Dad, can you bring me a bottle of water? And I'm about to say, what your legs broke? <laughs> yes, K.K. <laughs> You know, this thing is tested. But I know because serve is one of the hardest things on the ego. It's the hardest thing. Why don't you bring me the glass of water? Why should I bring you the glass? You see, you see that? So he says that whoever wants to be first, nothing wrong to be, want to be first, nothing wrong to want to be a leader, nothing wrong to, to, to reach high places in your business, in your life, in your career, nothing wrong with that. Please go for the gold. But as you're going, don't run over everybody. As you're going, serve people. As you're going, try. Because those seeds of service that you sow are promoting you, promoting you, promoting you. Every service, every seed is promoting you. Every, every time you give to, to people that could, you will never meet, it's promoting you. For the Son of Man cannot serve but serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. All right. Give me the next one. And I'm going to insert this one here because it's so important. What does that have to do with spirituality? Because this is the big one. Anger. You know, when I thought about this, when I said, wow, this is like, you could do like a whole series on this one. So I'm not going to, this is not the scope, right? i got about ten minutes to, to, to do what I want to do with this. So let's look at James, because anger, we, we really have to talk about this anger thing. Because I am very aware of what it is. Now, you guys heard the endless stories of me having no views, which I'm not going to talk about. But let's just be honest here. How many of you could honestly say, as a show of hands, that you could use, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to word it so Nicely, so you don't feel embarrassed of raising your hands. But I'm thinking every hand should probably go up. But how many could use some information that could help control your anger? Raise your hand. And all the rest of you are amazing, peaceful people. If you consider yourself to be wise, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. And one who understands the ways of God. So that's most of us in church, right? Like, oh yeah, I've been going to church for 30 years. I kind of get it. Then he says, if you, you know, if you consider yourself to be wise, you know, you can, that, you know you're smart, you've got some wisdom, and one who understands the ways of God. In other words, spirituality, right? I'm a very spiritual person. I understand the ways of God. I've been doing this for a long time. I've got a lot of wisdom, okay? Advertise that with a beautiful, fruitful life. In other words, you don't have to tell anybody... That you're all it. Life guided by wisdom's gentleness. Isn't that good? Never brag or boast about what you've done and you'll prove that you're truly wise. But if there is bitter, jealousy, or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it and try to compensate for it by boasting and being phony. Wow. Wow. That is such a slap in the face to me a lot of times because here we have that duality again, right? We're spiritual, we have insight, we have wisdom, yes, but how do you manage jealousy, competitive spirits, strive, envy? I mean, we could go through the list, right? Galatians 5. But then he goes on to say, how do you compensate? The, the, the only way you can compensate for that is by being phony. In other words, if I have bitter Miss and strife in my heart. I mean, I'm not talking about I got mad yesterday. I'm talking about something you carry with you that can be triggered from endless things. Amen. You're carrying something and I'm talking about me now. That thing is still not resolved in my life because there are things sometimes it catches me off guard. Like I might be having a perfectly good day and somebody will say something that just irked me and I'll go off. And then I'll come back like, where did that come from? You know, I was having a perfectly fine day, then somebody said something that I took in a weird way, or maybe it was wrong, but even if it was said with the whole intention to hurt, it was up to me to receive it. And and so the phoniness is for me to come to church and say, God is love and Jesus is everything, we're all good people, and then leave this building and know that I haven't dealt with it. Are you tracking? That's why I say, with show of hands, if you didn't raise your hand, that's fine. But anger, first of all, we all have anger, and all, just like ego and just like pride, not all anger is bad. What happened in Uvalde gave me a lot of anger, but not directed at any person. Just anger, frustration, inability to do anything. Heartbroken, whatever. Anger, there's righteous anger. You see an, an unjust social situation, you get angry. You go protest. Nothing wrong with protesting, as long as it's the right kind. That kind of anger is a, is a God kind of anger. He says, be angry and sin not. In other words, your anger is not fueled because of what some something they did to you. Your anger is fueled because you see an injustice. In other words, your anger is being fueled because you're feeling and seeing what God is feeling and seeing. Are you with me? Jesus had righteous anger, and he didn't sin. I mean, he tore a church up. Are you kidding me? I mean, Pastor Box came in next week and kicked all the chairs down, and tore all this down, and most of you probably wouldn't come back next week. You say, woo, he went off the deep end. Jesus tore up a whole church. But he was so mad about what that represented. He said, this is a place of glory. This is a place of healing. This is a place of peace, and you've made it a den of thieves." Amen. So, that anger is not bad. The anger that he's referring to is when it becomes personalized. Because most of the, think about, and I don't think about too long, but if you think about the last thing that made you really, really mad, that wasn't righteous, it probably hit something in your life that you're not even comfortable with. Or that you haven't completely resolved. In other words, we carry things that are, you know, things, so it's because things make me angry, yes, but, the, but that toxic anger or that toxic ego, you're carrying. Because ego is the daddy of all toxic anger. Because remember, ego says this is about me. Ego speaks this to you. Even okay, we're in church. I love Jesus. I'm here to serve, but it's still about me. And if somebody—that's why—question. This is Kelvin Box. Boy, I I should have like my clone here and I could preach to him. Right? Somebody cuts you off. Because you guys have anger issues. That's why the Holy Spirit's got me on this. All right. Why did you get mad? Kelvin because I'll tell you why you get mad, because you ego feels somebody stepped on your rights. That's all it is. there's no reason to be angry with that person. He didn't do it person he didn't do it personally right because he doesn't know you. Now if it's somebody that knows you, they cut you off well then it's on, right? <laughs> I <te> miro. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, think about that, that interaction. We had like three of those the last time we went to Laredo. Laredo's crazy, man. A crazy drivers. You know, this lady went from this lane. I'm here. She went all the way across to get the exit lane. And I had to break. And I honked, but I'm not sure if it was ego or not. Depends how long you hold the horn. Because one is, hey, I'm here. The other one's like, I want to kill you. That's why God doesn't trust you with any power. Imagine if you had all the power of Jesus and and you just hit that horn with anger. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. That's why you can't trust us with power. I'm telling you, anger is the one. (laughs) Anger is the daddy of all ego. Because anger is about, they hurt you, they told you, they didn't look at you right, they didn't shake your hand. Look how they looked at you. They cut you off no respect, nobody respects you. So now ego says, you see, I told you nobody respects you. The cutoff wasn't the problem. The problem is your self-image that ego has created. Because remember what I told you at the very first service? Ego is this literally interesting little creature because the same ego that tells you you're all it and you're awesome and you're amazing and the world cannot function without you is the same ego that will tell you you're a piece of trash, worthless and nobody can stand you. The same one will speak the same two things to you. And that anger is that voice of Ego. That's like the loudest voice. Just look at some of this stuff. He says, but if there's bitter, jealousy, or competition hiding in your heart, then don't deny it. That's number one. You want healing for this? Don't deny it. So I'm going to stand in front of this whole church and my online audience. I don't deny it. I have anger issues. Don't press the buttons, alright? I'm not healed yet, All right. I'm not that redeemed. I'm getting there. For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom guys what's going to protect us in this season what's going to keep us on on track what's going to keep our families safe what's going to give us insights into these craziness times that we're living what's going to say you know what don't go to that walmart go to the other one and then find out that some shooter showed up that kind of stuff that kind of stuff happens to the believer all the time there's people in pastor dan's church that were supposed to be at work 9-11 And they had ten different weird reasons. The car didn't start. Couldn't find my keys. All of those were God actions to save those people from dying in those towers. See, we have to be... That's why this is such an important message because an ego-driven believer cannot get those downloads. An ego-driven believer has... There's a lot of static in the information that God's trying to put in your heart. So, it says... For that has nothing to do with God's heavenly wisdom, but can best be described as the wisdom of this world. What is the wisdom of this world? We see it every day, turn on the news. Devilish, selfish, jealousy? What we see in America today on almost every major stupidity that's going on in this nation, it's uncontrolled ego. I feel like a fish, so you've got to recognize me as a fish today, yeah. Where does that come from? Ego. I don't want, you know, everybody's their feelings, they're me, 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 me. And this nation is so weird because this nation was a nation of service. America was built on giving. America was built on putting it out there. And we changed the world. We changed the gospel. Well, right now, you know, we got every, everything, every characteristic of America. If you study history, I posted something on Facebook if you care to look at it. America's got about eight of the ten clear signs of an empire falling. The American empire, if something doesn't change, will be history 20 years down. 30 years down. I mean, we'll still be around, but we're not going to be the American. Because we got out, we brought ego in. In a big level. We didn't do that on purpose, but that's that's what we're seeing now today. So, wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of... Of so it's real simple, right? So what are we looking at? Selfish? Envy? Jealousy? Anger? All these emotions, which we all have, can be controlled by the Spirit of God. But the key is not to try to control the emotions. The key is to develop other aspects of your life. And that's why I say take a little grain of salt this morning and apply it. Which would be, if I develop a heart of service, by developing a heart of service, I'm pushing ego down. I'm not trying to push ego down, because that's never going to happen. He'll never let me. But by developing other areas, he's controlled. And by developing this goodness and this thing, you can control anger. You really can. Why do you know? Oh, I know, because even though I, I still have to be very sensitive with it, it's nothing like it was. So, but did it take you... Well, how many... Uh, How many weeks did it take you, Pastor? Maybe like 27 years. But it's working. Remember that vitamin? It's not the one that's going to help you. It's a continual, every day, day in, day out. Day in, day out. Next time somebody cuts you off, you practice it. Hit the break, even though every emotion is (laughs) like... I'm trying, I'm getting a lot better, really, like a lot. Like that lady that cut across, she she did get an extra honk, I'll tell you that. She just didn't get the beep. She got a long beep, which was (coughs) ego-filled. My point is, I don't think we need more trouble than it's already out there. And it's pretty clear that many troubles and every kind of meanness is coming from this. Okay, let's go through three quick bullet points, see if I can finish these. RJ, let's do this. Number one, I'm going to give you three quick bullet points Get rid of your anger. Don't preach, pastor. Just read it. Okay. Restrain it. Everybody say, I can restrain it. I'm in control of it. Say it. If you don't speak it, you're, not, you're in control of it. It doesn't control you. So Proverbs 29 says, Fools vent their anger. Ouch. Nobody wants to be a fool. But the wise quietly hold it back. This scripture does not mean that the wise bury their anger or do not deal with it, but it means that they control their anger and how they express it When you restrain your anger, you keep it within the limit. Again, you practice it. Nobody wants to be called a fool. Okay, control your anger. Next one. So number one, you can restrain it. Number two, is there another one? You got to reevaluate it. This is a big one. This is the one that's helped me actually the most of all of them. But you have to really practice this because anger doesn't let you reevaluate anything. Anger's like, I'm mad. You know when you reevaluate? You reevaluate when everything's a mess. You're like, oh that. I shouldn't have done. It wasn't even worth that. It wasn't such a big deal. You remember that? So we have to be able to do that on the front end. Which is really, really hard, right? Because on the back end, you're all like, oh, ego says, you're stupid. You messed up. I told you nothing. Well, you told me to yell at him. Well, yes, I did mean, You shouldn't yell at him. No. Ego would just, like I tell you, the same ego that got you, in the, the fight started because some of you, somehow you perceived one of your rights being violated is the same ego that's going to make you feel like a dog for not being, or for not having better judgment. <laughs> it's amazing how this works. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, James 1, 19 and 20. Everyone, say that's me, everyone, should be quick to listen. Say amen. Slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Here, these aren't just tips. There is an order. That's not a tip. That's not a Okay, let me give you three things. No, he put things in the exact order they have to happen watch this so if I'm going to say you know if I say something to H just make him really mad right now which I don't know because he rarely gets mad he does get mad at it again I could probably testify that I've never made him mad I don't know so I don't think so yeah I probably have so I make something really mad he's got it he so so now he he has to react and that's the order what did that person say what did exactly did they say because what they said and what you perceived could be two different things, all right? So what did they say? And don't open your mouth because you're reevaluating. You can't have both going on. Amen. You know, you, you, you really you need to hook your you really need to hook up your head to your mouth and unhook it from your intestines. All right. I like that corner over there. They get my weird jokes. I'm serious. So, this is the reason to be angry. Mm-mm, I gotta hold it. What do they say? Let me analyze every word. Let me see, let me see if, that's, if that's what it meant. Okay? I'm not going to talk yet. I'm not going to talk yet. Because by doing those two things, you can control the speed of anger. Because anger is usually from 0 to 100, right? It, it doesn't, like, track. I mean, yes, yeah, stuff can make you eventually angry. Like, I'm here to tell your kid to do something, and about the 15th time he doesn't do it, well, it's building, right? So these three things, quick to listen doesn't mean fast listener. It means fast, how can I put it, analysis of what you're hearing, right? Because this is what happens. If you, if you come into, a, let's say, a corporate meeting, and I've been in so many of those, And this is this is a re- it's funny because some of these things I learned them now I see how I learned them in a weird way because in a corporate meeting this is really high level so so I, I'm the environmental manager and you got the production manager and you got every other manager and you got the CEO and he was a real piece of work but he was good you know every other word he uses cuss you out you know, and this meeting we're just there like like in the environmental department nobody liked us because we shut you know we're, we're the people that nobody liked anyway so we didn't have a whole lot to say we just had to be present. And you got the production manager and the and not the, environment, and the, you know, the line manager and materials manager and all these guys, and they're fighting, they're cussing each other, and you're like, whoa, dude. And they're like beating you, and all this high-level emotions. And then after the meeting, you go to the cafeteria, and they're all sitting together talking and laughing. You ever meet people like Because they know that it's a job. And as soon as that meeting was over, as much as they were pounding, and it, it's your fault, you didn't get the production numbers. well, it was because you're a guy, as soon as that meeting's over, they're all friends. Because it's just a work meeting. That means quick to listen. Because, and I saw that. I saw that weird dynamic. I said, wow. That's just the way it is. Because the louder they pound on their table, they make emphasis for their points, and maybe something gets done. But my point of it is, quick to listen means really listen. And not only listen to what that person told you. Here's the other listen. Listen on the inside. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? Because as soon as somebody gets in your face to try to get you to get angry or a situation or a circumstance, trust me, the Holy Spirit's talking. You might not be able to hear Him because you're not used to hearing. Because we immediately, when we get anger, angry, tell me if this is not true, pretty much our train of thought in the spirit realm gets closed. Do you agree with that? I'm talking somebody got me and I got to. you know. It could be in church. We, can have, we've, you know, we could get angry in church. But you're really turning off the Spirit's voice and now ego just completely resolves. Yep, they treaded on you, they did this to you, they did that. So, quick to listen is really hear all the dynamics that are coming to you but also see what the Spirit is saying. That's why he's saying, that slow to speak to me is so crucial in this because to me the slow to speak is when the Holy Spirit talks. How many know what I'm talking about? Has anybody experienced this? Like, you don't have to raise your hand but like in a real life scenario where Somebody made you mad, and and it actually worked. You were like, and you just waited, and something happened inside, and peace came inside. And you don't even know why you're not telling that person off. Has that ever happened to you? But but, but what happened, it wasn't real spiritual. What happened is you followed those three points. You were first, you were like, okay, this really rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm not going to explode. You're thinking. You're slow to quick to listen. What do they say? Why do they say it? Is this about me? Is this about work? W- what is going on? And then it's, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And I know this is, takes practice. I was say, be patient with what I'm teaching you. Don't lose your patience because the devil, he loves to poke messages. You do a message about anger, you walk out, oh, I'm free, and you find out your tire's flat, you kick the car, and you're not even out to the church. Are you kidding me? Camera. Like it's a really inanimate object. Human anger, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Number three, last one, I hope. I <laughs> Well, let me just say this. God's way of dealing with anger is to slow to anger. There are some things that you need to let roll off your shoulders and not internalize or act on. I'm sorry, that's a second note of that. How many things do we internal? That's my big problem. Everything becomes internalized. Everything becomes overthinked. Once you internalize, it really gets weird. So what do you want to do? Whenever they say something, say, I'm not taking it in. I will think about it. Are we slow to speak? But one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to internalize it. All right. Point number three. Sorry for the typo. It's supposed to be separated. And the last one, this is not that hard, church. Release it. Colossians 3.8 says, but now you must also get rid yourselves of all such things as These. So we work on them. We work on anger. We work on rage. We work on malice, on slander, on filthy language, on all these things that God tells us. You just simply work on them. And here's the thing about anger anger, anger ego has a way of, it's just a really weird way of, of how it, in your psyche, it, I'm going to say, I don't want to say it possesses you, but it really becomes possessive in itself. In other words, anger almost carries its own life. Have you ever noticed that? Like your heart wants to forgive somebody, and you know it's the right thing to do, and you know it's 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 the right thing to let it go, and you know it's the right thing to lock it up And anger and ego. No, you can't do that. It's just sitting there. So it works, you know. Anger and ego—they're they're they're together because it's all about them. So you know those three points really should help you resolve some of the things, you know. But really, the releasing is not that hard because anger is—it's—it's it's just you know—it's always flames. It's a spark there are always thousands of things to get angry about it's really up to you how many of those things you're going to let it set a fire the sparks between now and 6pm you'll have 10,000 sparks to get mad about are you going to let it start a fire that's so key are you going to let it start a fire because if you internalize it now nah, you got a fire no you just leave it right there leave it right there and if people are being unrighteous to you guess who what he's got it trust me on this one he's got it vengeance is mine says the Lord I will repay. It's not yours. So, that's so easy. Like, somebody makes your anger say, okay, God, it's yours. I'm out of here. <laughs> you deal with them. I don't have time for this. That is really a good approach. And God will deal with it. Amen? Is that the last one, RJ? I think it is, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't... I, how could I finish... Not finish it with that. Well, we're not going to finish it with that. We'll, we'll, we'll hit that next week. But you can think about this because this is the closure. Well, you know what? Let, let me finish. I'm not, I'm not going to preach it. 1 Corinthians 13. I don't want to take it to next week. It's not... It's not 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not going to read it. It's the famous love chapter. If you're really serious about getting some solutions about, I want you to read it. But every time it says love this, love that. Every time love does something, love doesn't get irritated, love doesn't seek its own, love doesn't get angry, love forgives, love does this. Guess what it is? It's an eagle killer. Every one of them is an eagle killer. That's why the, I was going to, you know, my time got away from me, but ego will fold under agape. It will fold under agape. Because if you just keep producing that love walk, and, and, and especially the hard ones, the people that you, eh! those are the ones you have got to say, oh, I love you, Joe Biden. Oh, sorry. I love you. Oh, I feel much better. My ego will like that one. I mean, speak it. That person that you can't stand, I dare you to say in your heart that out loud is even more powerful say I love you but I want to kill you no you just keep speaking that doesn't mean you have to hang out with them that doesn't mean you have to be around them that doesn't mean you have to be around somebody who hurts you and puts you down and destroys your life that just means the way of release is love go back and read Corinthians 13 because if I do it right now we'll be here until like 2 so I'm not going to do that alright stand to your feet Did you get something out of this series church? I believe God deserves a hand clap. He's been talking to us all month. Thank you, Lord, for the information we've received. I want you to, you know, I got some, I'm working on this series on grace that I'm really excited about. I don't know if I'm going to have it quite ready to kick it off next week, but I think I will. But, you know, take this, um, this teaching. I really recommend it. It's helped me a lot. Again, I've been studying it for about eight months now, and I don't like to preach something that I'm not, I mean, I'm never completely ready, I'll tell you that. But I try to get as ready as I can. So this morning, just very simple. If you've recognized something in your life where the Spirit needs to help you, just do it. And He will. If you recognize areas of your life where your emotions, or maybe you're dealing with the ego, dealing with depression, you know, any kind of mental stuff, God still heals. You know, we live in a a culture and a system that, wow, you know, if you think mental disease is a problem, we live in a system that just promotes it, and promotes it, and promotes it, and feeds it. And, you know, we have to come to this place. We have to come say, God, you gave me an ego. I am me. You know, I'm my own individual. But I cannot run this thing without spirit. I cannot run this thing because this thing was created from spirit. That's what we see. We see a world that was created by spirit being run by the flesh. And now you see it. I mean, that's on the news. But what happens in an individual? Well, you want the same thing. You were created by spirit, so you don't want to be run by the flesh. And the way you do it is you recognize these little things. Oh, that's ego, that's this, that's that. Maybe you've never heard this before, but now you have. So now you can make a better decisions. It's amazing, all this stuff. I, I, I say this all the time, but even this week was bad. I, posted a, I was about to post a bunch of stuff, and I looked at it, got it out of my system, and deleted it. Because at the end of that post was ego. I could see it. That was a good post. Most of my stuff is like political or something, but it was like, you know what, It's not necessary. That's how I felt. It, was not, it, was, it wasn't going to help anybody. It wasn't going to fuel anybody. It was just going to fuel my ego. I mean, I'm serious. I just. That's what it was, you know. And again, don't get weird on it, like if you post a picture. No, no. It, you check your heart. Check your heart. Father, we thank you this morning. We just want to come to you, Lord, with a humble heart regarding this teaching, the things that you taught. We don't want this to be a teaching. We really want to manage this thing properly, God. And we thank you that we are built this way, that you built us specifically with certain attributes and personalities, including ego as part of your creation, but it was never, Lord, to run the show. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, for all of us that that have struggled with this, that have struggled with anger, have struggled with this ego thing, offenses, and all the things we've talked for four weeks, that today we recognize that there is nothing that we need other than you, that you are the source of all joy. You are the source of all wealth. You are the source of all knowledge. And Lord, we need you. And we don't want to be that branch that falls on the wayside. We don't want to be cut off from the tree, Lord. And we humbly, humbly submit to you. Make that personal this morning. See if you can do that. Just say, don't, 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 don't repeat my prayers. You know, your prayer, say, Lord, I humbly submit to you, sir. I mean, just lay your life down and see what He can do with it. So, Father, for all those here this morning, all those watching online, Maybe there's somebody in this building, maybe there's somebody online that hasn't connected to you at this level. Pray this prayer with me, everyone listening to me. Say, Lord Jesus, I humbly come recognizing that I can't do this without you. I receive your spirit and I receive your salvation. Forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Today, I receive your sacrifice. Heaven is my home, and ego is controlled through your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord praise the church this morning. Thank you, church. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go ahead, go ahead and be seated for a moment. I was just debating saying something, but I, I, I won't. <laughs> I kind of felt a prompting, but it's, it, it's not going to add anymore. So, um, a quick update. Um, Kathy already gave you some of those. You know, our, our, I'm really excited about the, the Cuba team that's headed out there. So, really excited about you guys and Yanis and all you guys' amazing ability to get things done. So, we're excited um, on that. We have our BBS coming up. I want you guys to be praying about it. We'll give you more information. But here's the thing of that one. It's going to be one day. Here's where I'm asking everyone, if you possibly can. Obviously, we don't want extra people, but we want enough people. And there'll be more information. We're going to do this completely different. We'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, talk to Angie, talk to Yanis, talk to Kathy, or whoever. You know, just see what the format is and in what form or fashion you can help us. Amen? You know, we... We're raising the actually the budget, I put it out there on our leadership team last uh, Sunday and I thought the meeting went really well. There was a good spirit and I challenged the team. Can we cover it? They said yes, yeah. so we're not even asking for money for it. Okay? So just what I'm asking is your prayers and your support, meaning if we need you, show up. Because we have a huge responsibility. One of the biggest areas to me in BBS is security. It's really big for me. So If you're available, guys or ladies, and there's nothing, you know, you all, all you have to do might just be patrol. You know, we, you know, we have a huge responsibility when they drop off those kids with us. Amen. So our security team has to be top notch, and of course, all the other teams. So pray about joining because you know we are a church, we are family. You know, start looking at is this a family event? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be part of it. I'm going to be a blessing. Amen. All right, if you're ready to give this morning, and thank you guys for all your partnership and your giving. There'll be information on the screen, and you know. Like I talked to you little last week, don't let the economy, don't let the gas prices change what you do for the Lord. Don't let the devil know because, you know, we, we, we were here in 2008 where this thing plummeted. And I'll be honest, people in our church back then, we had, it was almost full. And I don't believe anybody lost their jobs. I don't believe anybody lost their house. That's when everybody was losing their house. You know, the covenant was strong even through that adjustment in 2008, 2009. Well, that's what I'm telling you. Your economy system is God's economy. This is not about raising money, giving money. No, this is, you know, you and God make sure that area of your life, just like, you know, when you're, you're saying, okay, I don't want to lie, I don't want to do this, because I, you know, I want to be a spiritual person. Well, your finances should be handled in the same spirituality. Your, your finances doesn't become not spiritual because it's money. Because your finances were not money. Your finances were your life before they were money. Right? They were your time. You went to work for somebody... So your money was your life before it became money. And if you understand that, you want to honor God always. And if you want... The last thing I say, You want the cure or the vaccine for recession? Tithe. I'm just telling you. Wherever you're at, start tithing. Start sowing. That's the vaccine for recession. Because that's your covenant. And things might get weird and gas might go to $10. Well, if it goes to $10, then God's going to have to give me that much more money so I can put it in the tank. Say amen. God's not limited by our money. If you think God's concerned about the economy, He's not. Covenant is what it's all about. Amen? All right, stand to your feet let you go. Father, thank you once again. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you, Lord, giving us this series. It's helped me so much.